So, well, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on now. All right, episode nine. Episode nine, we're finally doing it. We're finally doing it, and you know what comes after nine? Ten. And I think well, you and I were talking about this before. Episode ten might be a good time to reevaluate, you know, the state of affairs. Yeah, a little state of the union. Um, I've been tweaking our logo a little bit. Yeah, I've been uh, tweaking the music. Nice. Yeah, ten's a good number to give a little, not necessarily an overhaul, maybe a a facelift. If you will. Yeah, a little facelift, a little uh, relaunch. Yeah, how do you feel about uh, being? Well, we're not ten episodes in yet, but on the on the brink of ten episodes. I feel good. I didn't think we'd make it this far. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never yeah, know. but I think it'll be a good opportunity for us to relaunch and to also like, you know, sort of rethink about what the next ten episodes will be like and whether or not we can, you know, redesign a little bit. It'll be the beginning of the summer for us as well, so I think. It'd be kind of a cool experiment. Yeah. What are you doing this summer? So I thought this might be an interesting thing to talk about, how to how to proceed with this podcast over the summer. Oh. Um, as it stands, I'm looking to go to northeast India. Really? Yeah. That's for sure? <laughs> um, I think so. I think the tickets are being purchased today, so I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Who's purchasing said tickets? Uh, the Midwest province. Oh, they're buying it for you. Yeah. Dang, bro. This is that thing that they do every year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Kohima region. Wow. What are you going to be doing? Various things. I don't really know. Uh, I'm just kind of working with the people. It's a very poor part of the country. Mm-hmm. And it's not even really attached to India, which is the weird thing. Hmm. Like, it's literally on the other side of Bangladesh. Hmm. So, like, this is up where a lot of tea was grown. So, as far as I understand it, I could be completely wrong in this. Um, the British sort of annexed this territory because it grew, it grew very, I guess, this is where Darjeeling is. So, that whole... Um, sort of tea region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They made it part of India so that they could have their tea. Oh, interesting. I live with a guy from Darjeeling. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he often talks about the tea farmers and the rights of the tea farmers in Darjeeling. Yeah. Apparently, they don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe you can report back to us on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Are you gonna be gone the whole summer? So it's yeah, it's from like. June 11th to August 1st. Wow. Yeah, so it's a pretty intense thing, which raises a couple of questions for me. Mm-hmm. Should we record some episodes out of time? That could be good. That could be good. Or should we attempt attempt a recording from India? On location? Well, we currently already do international recording, so... That's true. <laughs> Though it may not seem like it to you, uh, this is international <laughs> territory that I live yeah. in. Well, one of the things that I'm concerned with is just what technology to bring. At all? Yeah. Like, hmm. I've got a little spare iPhone that I'm planning on taking. Even even though my good one is broken, I'm not going to take that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the spare one is your older one? Yeah. But the better one is your broken one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Okay, got it. So I'm going to take that. So I'll have I'll have technology, and I'm going to buy a little European adapter. Hmm. So I don't think like that particular thing is going to be an issue. One of the things that I always worry about going to places like this is the humidity. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the heat. Like, how does that affect devices? Yeah, yeah. Adversely, I would say. Yeah. Um, I took my laptop with me to Haiti a few years ago, and uh-huh. um, the the weather was part of the problem, but then also, I think I ate over my laptop one day, and then it got infested with ants. Ooh. <laughs> so there were ants inside Ooh. of my keyboard, like inside Woof. the laptop. Yeah, and so I had to divide. I had to scour the internet for a solution to get ants out of uh, <laughs> out of your laptop. And apparently, it's a pretty common problem uh, <laughs> where ants can get inside your computer. Huh. Um, so the the solution, surprisingly, whether or not this is true or not, I don't know. But there were no longer ants after a while. Um, apparently, well, apparently, ants will not walk. Maybe this is completely ridiculous, but ants will not walk across the same like path that they've already walked. They like excrete some sort of thing that like tracks where they have walked before. Yeah. And so like the path that they have taken before will be a path that they'll avoid. And so the solution was to put <laughs> was to put the laptop on top of like a bucket and the bucket inside of a bigger bucket <laughs> filled with water. With full uh-huh. of water, and then put <laughs> put like a toothpick, <laughs> not a toothpick, sorry, like a chopstick or something, connecting the laptop to the water uh-huh. and touching nothing else, so that if they go exploring, they'll go down the chopstick and they'll drown. <laughs> <laughs> you have led them to their death. <laughs> but because they won't turn around, apparently. Because <laughs> they won't go back <laughs> over the, the, same, the same path. Did you know this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's right. Well, I don't have any ants in the laptop anymore. So, oh man, this is actually kind of a strange story. You know how I can kind of get lost on YouTube sometimes? Yeah, you and me both, man. Uh, <laughs> I was up one night, and I found a whole channel dedicated to like... So you know how people have really nice aquariums? Uh, aquaria, aquaria, and then terraria. Terraria? What's yeah, a terrarium? A terrarium for like a snake or something. Okay, or like an ant farm. Or like an ant farm. So that's where I'm going with this. This guy has these giant boxes, glass boxes, <laughs> filled with <laughs> ants. <laughs> And no dirt, just ants. No, yeah, there's dirt in it. Like it, he makes this whole like African waste, not wasteland, but like African <laughs> desert. Or he Aust- makes the Australian a... outback. Oh, cool! He makes like little uh, like eco, yeah, eco boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for ants. <laughs> and so he's narrating like these how these, you know, he's giving them like an empire. They're the the red empire or something, like the fire nation. The fire answer, the fire nation. <laughs> oh, it's and, great. Uh there was one episode where he he built he like built them he kind of did a two in one thing where he had an aquarium with fish on mm-hmm. one side and on the other side he filled with dirt 
and allowed the ants to take over. So the land side with like a little bit of glass. It was really actually really kind of cool. Hmm. Um, but the way that he did it <laughs> was he put like a tube into the new tank and forced the ants to cross a bridge over the over the fish side. Mm-hmm. So they were like this walking over this bridge of death to the promised land. Now that you mention it, I don't remember seeing any dead ants floating in the water. From <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure that my <laughs> that my contraption did anything. Um... <laughs> well, no, but... the ants will like build those big creepy ant rafts. Oh, to get out. <laughs> to... Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that overnight they like built a raft and got out? <laughs> it could be. It's oh my gosh. Place. Yeah, I'm totally. Going. Well, anyway, just all to your point is that you're going to be in a different environment, man, and your devices yeah. might not handle it. Yeah, so I'm considering not taking my iPad. Hmm. Well, I think I think many things. One thing is it might be kind of good to unplug a little bit and to yeah. not take anything with you. You're not going to be I doing schoolwork. Yeah, take your K-pad, totally. That's perfect. That makes perfect sense. Does that have its does that have its own case? Uh I've got a Logitech keyboard on it, keyboard case. Yeah, totally. Do that. Um you know, we could record some episodes at a time. That could work. Or we could try an experiment, see what happens. Or, you know, you could record on your own a little like nine point one, ten point one episode or something. Yeah. Do a little mm-hmm. vlog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, why don't you vlog while you're there? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I will. Uh, that's so you're not gonna be doing any schoolwork over the summer. It's just gonna be spending time in the Kohima region. Yep. Dang, bro, working that's with, cool. Working with the people. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, good. Just, uh, so you're... not do schoolwork. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, this will be this will be a lot of fun. And this is the first time you've left the country in a long time, I guess, right? Um. Yeah, I guess the last time was when I was still in Dallas and I went down to Belize. That's a. <laughs> that is a while ago. That was what, like four years ago. Yeah, something like that. Oh, so here's a funny story called I Have to Renew My Passport. Ooh. And time is ticking. You need to get on that like yesterday, bro. I know. When when does it expire? August. Like August 8th. Will they let you travel if it's expiring within the next six months? Well, that's the thing. This My contact guy mentioned something like that. He's like, that might that could be a problem, so... Even though it will not have expired by the time I get back, it expires within days. Right. Yeah, I... Of me returning. I seem to have the impression that you have to have it sort of like active for six more months after your like scheduled departure date. I don't know. I I mean, it might have to do with... What does that protect? Just the possibility. Like what happens if you're... This is a smaller example, but what if your flight gets delayed a week for whatever uh, reason? Yeah. And then you're stuck in the Kohima region and you need to now get a new passport yeah. while oh, in that's India. True. That's true. That's a good point, actually. Um. Oh, by the way, I forgot I was going to tell you this. Uh, I learned a little life pro tip. Oh, yeah? So you were talking about buying an adapter for your iPad charger and your iPhone yeah. charger? Yeah. So I, I was on the Reddit and I saw that there was this life hack or life pro tip where if you're traveling, instead of buying like six different adapters for all the six different devices, buy one like strip 
of American plugs with an adapter to the wall uh, that is international. So just buy like a surge protector or like a strip charge thing, you know, with multiple ports. Yeah. And with only the the main connector to the wall have to be yeah. adapted yeah, internationally. Yeah, so that yeah, way you yeah. can just keep that way you can just keep all your chargers um, the same without having to buy like the Apple International one. Because when are you gonna use yeah. that again? No, that's a good point. I mean, I only really have even now two things that I plug in: my iPad and my phone. Hmm. And even though I have got two pads, they they're never I never need to charge them at the same time. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess the reason I have multiple chargers for different parts of my room, but I charge a lot of things kind of often. So like I need to, this is actually something that I need to figure out in, even in my room, just, I want to, I would like to buy one of those like ports to have for multiple charging things. Cause I have like you, a, a phone station. and an iPad. Yeah. I have a phone and an iPad, but I also have uh, the pencil, which needs to be charged. Um, the AirPods, which need to be charged, and the watch, which needs to be charged. Hmm. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah, you know, this is you, you could ask me what I'm doing this summer, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Normal human interaction apparently is not your forte. David. <laughs> so here's the thing. I know what you're doing this summer, and I was hey. going to ask you about it. W were you? Ask me about it yeah. then. So how do you feel about coming to the Bay Area? Dude, I'm going to the Bay Area, man. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I am super stoked about it. Um, mostly because um, there's a lot of good reasons to go, but one of the reasons is because uh, a good friend of mine who's the provincial of the Antilles province, he's he's a Jesuit that I have become friends with, and he's someone I look up to. He <laughs> He saw me last year in Cuba when I was there. And he saw me last week because he came to visit one of the Antilles guys who's in Toronto. Nice. And the first, the first thing he said to me when he saw me, he said, David, what happened to all of your color? <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed and laughed. Uh, and he said, yeah, that's not your normal color. You need to go get some sun, man. And I said, mm. well, this is Canada and it's wintertime. And so there is no sun. The sun shall never shine. Uh, so what has abandoned what? That's right. That's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to the Bay Area is to maybe get some of my pigment back. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful that time of year, too. Is Los it Altos, really? Los Altos can get hot. Oh, really? It's, But it's still pretty close to the water, so it should be fine. Yeah, although we have a dress code. Like, we can't wear sandals and we can't wear shorts. Woof. Uh, which is fine. It's a, I mean, I'm going to be doing a professional thing, so I should yeah. be dressed anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be uh, at our, what is it, a retreat center in Los Altos? Yeah, yep. Uh, so it's a, it's somewhere near San Jose uh, on your way to San Francisco. We have a retreat center, and I will be doing a little internship for learning how to give the spiritual exercises uh, in the mm -hmm. eight-day retreat format. Mm -hmm. uh, have you done something like this before? I've not. I've not. I want to. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super stoked about it. I mean, I've never done really any sort of formal training for spiritual direction. Didn't you do something at Berkeley a few years ago? Last summer, yeah, I did a. It was just spiritual direction, so it wasn't. It was outside of a retreat setting. Yeah. So I guess it would have been a good idea to do a retreat. Do you have much of a sense of how that's different? How is that at all different? Well, yeah. So when you're doing 
so it was a little confusing for my program because you kind of have to tell people like oh we only have these guys for what was it like four or five weeks mm -hmm. and so it's going to be like a retreat because you're going to meet with them you know once or twice a week for this four weeks so it was kind of like a retreat setting Mm -hmm. um but which is to say when you're not in this sort of weird program thing <clears throat> it's more of an ongoing conversation rather than a very like programmatic yeah yeah retreats are more like designed to uh, well there's a certain like structure to it that is intended whereas yeah. like switch a direction it's like okay well how is life right now and yep, exactly i see i see but i get a sense so that like other than the like the making of certain i don't know points or talks or handouts or whatever like the conversation itself i don't understand necessarily maybe i'll find out this summer is like how is the conversation all that different um yeah you know maybe oh, talking the conversation more... might not be mm -hmm. you know you'll be, be and the other thing that's useful in a retreat setting that i learned in just the spiritual direction um training was that you can presume a lot more about Ignatian spirituality from the people in the retreat setting in the retreat because they're doing it. Yeah. Whereas in spiritual direction, they may know something about, you know, the examine or, you know, the first week or whatever, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily a given. Hmm. Here's a question. Uh, in your experience of spiritual direction, uh, last summer, uh, this isn't supposed to be anything all that controversial, but I'm just curious, like, in your experience, do you find that you prefer giving spiritual direction to men or women? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mostly because all of the people that I saw last, over the summer were women. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really, at this point, I, I don't have enough data to give a, a good answer. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested in that question just because <clears throat> I've never done spiritual direction, really, uh, and... I did one one stint of spiritual direction when we were in Dallas, uh, and sh it was a it was a woman that was basically my age, and so it just it just raised questions for me of like, what would it be like to direct a woman who was older than me, or right. direct a man who is my age, or a man who is older right. than me? Does that change right. uh, the interaction? And I think it would. Um, yeah. But at that point, I had not received any formal training, so it was harder for me to like know where the lines of direction, and then like friendship conversation was because yeah, she and I were yeah, the same age, yeah. you know? Yep. Yep. That can be difficult. I didn't meet with anybody that was my age over the summer, but I can see how that would be difficult. Just in regular settings. Right. You know, you've, I'm sure you've had this experience where even friends, like it's difficult sometimes to navigate that, uh, that it's kind of a boundary issue where like, you know, we're friends and, oh, but, you're kind of seeking spiritual counsel, but that's going to change the nature of our relationship. So you mm. can't really do that. Right, 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 right. No, yeah, I, I also found, and this is one thing I'm looking forward to with this Los Altos program, is that I I don't have much of like an intuition of how to, how, like, how to find the balance between uh, like listening and giving direction versus listening and offering my own experience as advice uh and then also trying to fix problems so like on one extreme it's trying to fix problems but even like yeah. that middle position of 
you know, I hear what you're saying. And let me tell you about my experience with that thing yeah. and tell you how I got through that as advice, yeah. which I don't think is not helpful. It's not helpful, but it's also, again, like I think you're saying, mixing the relationship and mixing the roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, if this was a director, a director relationship, would the director really be saying, "Yeah, you know, when I was your age and I struggled with X, this mm -hmm. is how I got through it," or yeah. you know, when I was tempted by Y, this is how I managed? Yeah. See, I think that's more of a. That's how friends talk about it. Mm, yeah. You know, when you, if you visit a therapist, it would be really inappropriate if they started telling you about their struggles. Right. Right. Yeah, and I guess this this conversation I was having with this woman, she was my age at the time, she was asking questions about vocation, you know, like discerning yeah. her own vocation and, you know, marriage, religious life, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, you have experience with that. <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. But it became very clear, like, I was speaking from that experience more so than right. from, like, just just feeding back the direction. Um, yeah. Which is hard. It's a hard line to find, you know, because you want to be friends. And in some ways, like... Like not sorry, not want to be friends. We want to be friendly um, yeah, yeah. to the person. And in some ways, like this is a similar, I think, struggle for teachers to find balance with students, mm. um, especially yeah. the closer you are in age with them. Had, did you experience that at all when you were in Regency? Um, I didn't really have a desire to be friends with any of those kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you do want to be friendly. I guess the closest I might have come was the was the board game club, mm -hmm. like because that's a very different setting than the classroom or even other club like extracurricular settings. Right. You know, when you're like, playing a game, it's a very different dynamic. Sure. Like when the kids saw us, you know, at the football games, at their baseball games, or soccer matches, they saw us on the road, they saw us in the band. Like it develops, it starts to develop a different kind of relationship that yeah. I. I never considered myself to be peers with the kids because that would be inappropriate. But I often wondered, like, I started teaching when I was in my late 20s, 27 yeah. or so. Um, and so I wasn't old enough to be my student's dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was teaching juniors at the time who were 17. So they were only 10 years younger than I am, yeah. um, which is not. It's a it's a margin of difference that is substantial when it comes to like peer group, but right. it's not so large of a margin to where I can start to see them in a sort of like fatherly way, uh, which yeah. I think some some teachers do, or in a grandfatherly way. Yeah. Uh, well, also those teachers usually have far more experience as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so like, you know, we we come in. I don't think it really would have made that much of a difference. If we came in 10 years older, expecting to be a father figure for these, where this institution doesn't really know us. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So not so much the the age gap between us, but all, just the ex level of experience. Is that what you're saying matters most? Well, I think, yeah, I think that experience has something to do with it for sure. You know, like, okay, maybe, because there were some some younger teachers in Dallas who had been there for a long time mm -hmm. and kind of did have that. I'm thinking of one guy in, in particular whose nickname was, do you remember? Uh, no. <laughs> Papa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
Wait, who's that? <laughs> oh, I know who that is. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, because I never called him that. So I, <laughs> I never called him that either. But that's not the point. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. So anyway, to answer your question, I'm looking forward to Los Altos. Nice. Uh, it'll be good. Do you know what I'm doing the rest of the summer? Yeah. How do you feel about uh, Sedalia? That's kind I'm of going a to Sedalia big, as well. That's yeah. kind of a big thing, David. I told yeah. you, I know what you're doing. Well, see, but there's one thing that you don't know, and that is that technically, Jonathan, my summer is not in the future. <laughs> no, I didn't know that too. You're done. You're I finished bro. school three days ago. <laughs> so, yeah. how many more weeks That's of weird. school do you have? Like four. <laughs> yeah, I I want you to know that my my experience of uh, Los Altos will come as the second major part of my summer. You have um, summer school, huh? I have <clears> summer <throat> school, which starts on Monday. Ooh, what are you doing? So our summer school begins in April, which is odd. It's currently snowing, so <laughs> so <laughs> kind of makes no summer school. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes no sense. Um, I am taking a course on Catholic social teaching. Nice. And then I'm taking another course afterwards on psychology and spiritual direction, or psychotherapy Ooh. and spiritual direction, or something like that. Um, frankly, to be honest. My, unlike you, I have found that my course selection has very little to do with interest and more to do with just what requirements I have left. Yeah. Um, like you were talking about, there's a cool Tolkien course that you were thinking about taking. It's like I have like zero latitude to take anything extra. Um, really? Yeah. Pretty much everything that I have to take is scripted. Well, yeah. I mean, we've got everything is scripted for us too, but. Do you guys not have the plus eight to work with? Uh, I don't know what that is. What is? <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so, in these United States of America, we've got the Masters of Divinity program, mm-hmm. but we've also got that which is required of the Society of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we need to do the regular program plus eight extra courses. How long does a regular program last? I mean, it's a three-year program, and we do four years of theology. So, but what happened to all your transfer credit from first studies? Yeah, they came over. So, how many classes do you take a semester? Uh, four. Okay, so like, you took how many classes in first studies? Six or seven? Six. Eight? Six. So, you had six coming in, and then you take four every semester for three years? Right, so that's 30 total, and then plus 8. Let me pull up my little document. Yeah, so 6 plus 4 times 6 is 30, and then plus 8, so 38 total. Uh, I was told there would be no math. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Four classes is 12 units, question mark? So each unit is 3 credits. 24 units, 8 classes are 24 units, is that right? Is that math? (laughs) <laughs> i don't know you got me lost bro all i'm saying though is for us uh we don't have the plus eight in the same way that you do um uh-huh. well i guess we do we do the only difference is is that i will finish the mdiv this time next year yeah me too <laughs> yeah we'll finish the MDiv at the same time and then the plus eight i you're like stl yeah so where you're like 
sprinkling it all like the eight are in there somewhere and then like you but you don't need your... eight courses for the sdl however many it is six to eight something four i don't know three who knows <laughs> let's get back to sedalia how are you feeling about this arupe experience uh tell me what it is what is arupe <laughs> So the Arupe experience is something that all Jesuits do in formation across the world, typically after their first year of theology studies. So you gather for, in your particular region, so in our case, it's the Jesuits of the U.S. There are some international guys, but for the most part, it's just the guys in the U.S. and Canada. <clears throat> or those guys studying in the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. We had some guys from Australia last year. It was pretty cool. Nice. And it's really designed to begin that, to talk about what it means to be a Jesuit priest. Yeah. And we do our eight day retreat, I think, with it. Yeah. I'm stoked for it, bro. Uh, I mean, getting a chance to hang out with different guys who are at my stage of formation will be cool. Um, yeah. But frankly, like, so, so a lot of these different things, I'm starting to feel a little bit like, okay, all right, next thing, let's check it off the list. Let's get <laughs> going. Like, I got to do this thing. And then, you know, this time next year, I'll be a deacon. So that's really cool. <laughs> you know, it's right on the horizon, which is awesome. Yeah. Dude, you're not going to be a deacon much longer than I am. It's true. Wait, no, that's not what I meant to say. No, that's not, that's not what you're saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll be a deacon not long after you have become a deacon. Yeah. You'll be a deacon two months before I'll be a priest? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be the deacon at uh, your ordination. Yeah, bro. Oh, let me ask, let me, uh, let me, let me throw this out there. So this is a little bit of follow-up from before. A little bit of tech talk, so I apologize. Mm -hmm. um, last, I believe it was last episode where I discovered that I might be a little difficult to work with. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, in my inability to use Microsoft and or Google products. Mm-hmm. After that conversation, I downloaded it all. I gave myself, I put... Um, like 12 Word. new apps. On your phone. Yeah, yeah. I just went all in. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> and then I tried to start to use them. Mm -hmm. And it was literally impossible. Why? I could not use Word. My subscription does not allow me to edit Word. Oh, that's terrible. You have like a read-only subscription? <laughs> yeah, that is so dumb. Yeah, I know, I know. So we paid for we paid for the whole Office 365 suite, but we didn't get like like full access to the op, the like the Office app. Yeah, like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Although I would say uh, the most important thing has been the one terabyte. Well, that is true. That is true. I agree with that. So Word unusable can't do it. Okay, so I'm moving on to Google, and it's just a miserable experience. Like, okay, it does sharing uh no what do i want to say collaborative editing maybe the best of any of these apps mm -hmm. other than that it is a dreadful experience why um well you still can't do split screen really is that true i i don't know is it <laughs> let me try let me try dude you're dumb you can totally do split screen can you I just split screen PDF expert and docs. Uh, well, okay. At any rate, you still need to like, it's jumping back and forth between docs and drive. Mm -hmm. And I 
I have gotten lost. Like, what app am I in right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but also, I was trying to do this presentation on slides just the other day, mm-hmm. and it just it just didn't work. Like, you can't put text in. You know how on well, you don't know because you don't use Keynote. Um, but you can keep putting text in, and it'll automatically adjust the size hmm. based on the amount of text, mm-hmm. so that you always have it. But I was having things go off the sl- go off the page. So when you say it doesn't work, it me- what you mean is you don't like it? <laughs> well, that- Google Google is I don't like. Yes, Microsoft is just unusable because I c- physically cannot use it. Right. Yeah, you can't use it to edit. Um. Now I can because I through the school through U Toronto I do have Office 365 with full capabilities. Yeah. You said you were going to look into Santa Clara. I didn't. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. So I'm not sure whose fault this is now. Uh I mean, using your subscription with the conference, you know is a dead end, but you could potentially yeah. find it with Santa Clara. Possibly. The 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 thing that I get push, not that I get pushed back, but the thing that I just don't really understand is I've got a perfectly good editor in Pages and Ulysses and Bear. <laughs> you're the one that's talking about switching between multiple apps as being a bad thing. And now you're talking about Ulysses, Bear, no, and no, Pages. No, 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 no. It's not just switching between apps. It's that automatic jumping back and forth. Uh, like I push a button and then it does this weird dance between drive slides and page uh, whatever docs yeah and then I I can only edit here but then I have to go over here to do this other thing and I have no idea where I am right now see but what if you uh so like the ones that are going to jump between each other are drive and docs or drive and slides or drive and numbers so why don't you side by side split screen drive with whichever one you're editing in yeah, that could work. That way you're not um, jumping between. Or if you make if you make drive the like floating the floating app that you swipe in and out. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Then when you click it, it's not gonna open up a brand new screen, it's just gonna swipe it in and swipe it out. Yeah. So I, I use I was using docs and uh, drive for the Easter vigil. I was writing up uh, script liturgical scripts for the different rites and scrutinies, and then developing them and using them for the vigil as well. Um, for the purpose of the well, that collaboration that you know the entire office and pastor can have access to these. Right, right. Um, and that was a good experience for the most part. It was, and then when you start throwing in PDFs, it's just a strange. I guess it's just, you know, we've we're kind of spoiled editing PDFs in PDF Expert. Mhm. Nothing else really does that well. And so trying for me trying to I just, it's just cumbersome to try to keep up with all of these different things mm-hmm. when I could just do it in one app. Right. Right. So, uh here's here's my pushback a little bit is that I I'm an, I'm not in an un unsimilar position just because you and I think have very similar ways of working on the iPad. And I think both you and I, I, I certainly have moved to being only on the iPad and I think you're moving that direction. 
But one thing that I've learned is that I, I have to do what works for me, but I can only do what works for me when it's only me. When it's other people, I have to learn to yeah like play like I need to be master of both my own domain and other people's way of proceeding, because right. I know that I can't expect other people to do what I do because what I what I do is not universal. You know, I'm iPad only, and I use the I use Pages, I use Numbers, uh, I use PDF Expert apps that hardly anybody else uses. Um, so a simple case in point would be like, if I ever send an email and I need to send somebody a document, it's always a PDF. I'll never yeah. send uh, a dot pages. I'll never send a dot doc. I'll never send a dot RTF just because yeah. that's too presumptuous that the other person will know what to do with that document. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do that too. So like, that's just a simple example of like learning to do what I do on my end and, you know, I'll create the document on pages or on Ulysses, but I'm always going to export it to PDF and share the PDF, like with my teachers, for example. You know, I almost, I still even like cringe a little bit when I receive an email back from a teacher with like a graded essay and it's in a word file. I'm like, yeah. this is, it just, it feels very un, it feels a little bit unprofessional, but also a little unsecure too, you know? <laughs> um, because I could open up that Word document and edit the, edit the annotations, you know, that they put on them and change my grade, uh, which wouldn't amount to anything, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, but see, this is interesting because we had this whole conversation about being tech agnostic, like just using what works. Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about is not just using what works, because if you were, it, it would just be, it, it's just for you then. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what I'm saying with tech agnosticism is, are you even free to not have a preference in terms of what must be the case? So like yeah. you you, ha you have a reservation of using Microsoft Word sort of on principle. Well, um but I can't. Well yeah, that's that's a bad example because you can't you can't <laughs> use it at all. Um, Google is a better example. Yeah, Google's a better example. You know, you you kind of on principle don't like using Google, so you kind of get fussy about having to use it for any reason. And yeah. I think that when I say tech agnostic, I mean what what is actually going to achieve uh this project and this project is not just me in isolation. It's me right. in collaboration. And you even admitted it, right? Like pages is not ideal for collaboration um, because most people don't use it, but also it's not as powerful in collaboration, I think, as Google Docs. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's just all to say that like, it's important for me to know what works for me and to use that to the best of my ability. But then when it comes to other people, I just can't expect them to... I can't expect them to fit into my way of doing it because I, what I do is very clearly not normal. Um, yeah. you know, like I've been working on, uh, on this workflow the past couple of days, uh, to do something that most people just use Zotero for. And, you know, I could just be that guy to, you know, get a computer that has Microsoft word on it so I can use Zotero or I'm doing what I'm doing, which is writing my own program, my own script for Zotero. Um, right. But I can't expect other people to do that um, right. just because most people can't, won't, don't know yeah. how, you know. So uh, going back to Google for a second. So I have here on the list that I received an email. And this happened a few weeks ago and I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to read this email to you because <laughs> I, I'm just going to put my cards on the table here. I was really angry by this email <laughs> and also really like concerned about this email 
Um, now, mind you, this was I got this email right around the time that uh, the Facebook stuff was really hitting the fan. Uh-huh. And the email says the email is from the Google Calendar team, is what uh-huh. it's called, and it's to me. And it Ooh. says the subject line. It says, David. Your iPhone or iPad does not have the official Google Calendar app. <laughs> you're not using, and then, so then the, the body of the message says, you're not using the official calendar app on your iPhone or iPad. Mm. Save time and get the most out of every day with features like to-dos, goals, schedule view. Switch to the official calendar app to use all of Google Calendar's features on your iPhone and iPad. How and do then, you know that? And then it gives me a big button that says download the app. Wow. That's, in, that's inappropriate. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? You feel you yes. feel that too? Yes. Highly inappropriate. Yeah. I, I, I have not archived this email. It's just been sitting in my inbox because I just find this email to be a, a <laughs> you little... You look at it and fume. <laughs> every time. I find myself honestly like angry about it, but also just very concerned. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. First off, you know this. And it's not surprising to me that you know this, but you're even just like flaunting that you know this, that yeah. it's not on my iPad or on my phone. Um yeah. And the other thing too, like when I when I read this email, it it was sort of the nail in the coffin for me to move completely away from Google, uh, because I was like, look, for you to be amassing all of my data is one thing, because I've signed terms of agreement and everything, that's fine, but to kind of like show off that you know things about my way of doing things on my iPad without me asking you to, I just found it a little bit invasive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I've, I've even switched like my default search engine now i've switched it from google to DuckDuckGo. i've um started moving completely to my adjustments.org domain email and getting away from mm-hmm. my ad gmail uh one so like if people email me at like if i have any subscriptions on my ad gmail i'll switch them over to the adjustments.org i'll start emailing people exclusively from the adjustments.org just to move away from google because yep. i'm just finding that that data amassing is very in your face and also, yep. I'm not down with that. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it was something that was sitting here yeah. in my inbox that I wanted to talk to you about. Well, yeah, that's really that's really infuriating for a number of reasons, for me at least. You know, I was trying... So I've got like three email apps that I use for different accounts um, just to keep things separate. So the, the, the church that I work at does pretty much everything through Google. Mm-hmm. And so it just really got to me that I, this, especially with the Gmail app, but in some ways the the calendar as well. Um, I've not gotten received an email like this, so that's interesting. Um, but just especially in iOS, like the Gmail app is unusable. Yeah, for the much the same reasons we were talking about before, is that there's there's a it's threaded with Google Drive. And so you can't, yeah, you, you can't do anything. You can't attach anything. Right. And now, so it's this really interesting way. I think there's, there's something to be said there though, about what you were saying before with like controlling information. You can't attach anything to this email that doesn't go through drive. Right. Now the same thing is true though with, uh, with the Outlook app. So in order for me to make an attachment on the, on the Outlook app, that's not, like a picture or something, um, uh-huh. I have to have it saved on OneDrive. Really? It's either saved on OneDrive or I think you can also save it on Dropbox. Hmm. So like if I if I pull up Outlook and I go to attach file, 
uh, I can add Google Drive, I can add OneDrive, and I can add Dropbox. Wow. But you can't add iCloud. Yeah, so I have a whole like workflow for for this process of like I've created what's what I've called burn folders in my OneDrive. <laughs> have I told you about these? No. <laughs> so I created a so so I created a burn folder uh in my OneDrive that is basically just a go between from PDF Expert or Pages or wherever I am like upload it to OneDrive and save it in the burn fo folder and then uh -huh. from the burn folder email it out. Um, uh -huh. And the reason I called it that was because I, I get into this frustration when I do all of my file archiving where I I don't need that cloned copy saved anywhere locally or in my right. principal like iCloud. But yeah. I have a cloned copy that I've now saved in OneDrive and it's like this is just going to get redundant, so much redundancy. So I'm going to file everything under a burn folder so that at the end of every term or whatever, I don't have to think about what, yeah, I don't have to think about what's in that folder. I can just empty that folder without thinking. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's worked out very well. Okay, for the sake of time, <laughs> can we uh, switch gears here and maybe uh, talk yeah. a little bit about Ready Player One? Yeah, so we both, we mentioned this before, we've both read the book and now we've both seen the movie and we've not talked about the movie. We have not talked about the movie. I saw it last night. Uh, did here in uh, Canada. So spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this is a movie where we can like beat around the bush and talk about it without revealing what we think about it. Yeah, uh, just go straight to it. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is something that I actually want to talk about. Um. I mentioned this to you, I think it was either a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, I had an interesting experience with the trailer. Okay. So you and I, you more so than I, do not watch trailers. No. Actually, yesterday I was in the movie theater and they showed me a trailer for Ready Player One. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I... <laughs> I literally put my headphones on and yeah. and started listening to something else. Yeah. So, but here's the thing with this movie in particular, and this has has uh, got me thinking about other movies as well. So, what happened when I watched the movie or when I watched the trailer? I realized that they were diverting significantly, and that gave me that allowed me to change what changed my expectations. Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to suck, A. <laughs> and I knew not to expect Ready Player One. You And you knew that from the trailer? I knew that from the trailer. Interesting. So when I went to see the movie, now, this didn't stop me from comparing it to the book, but I knew that that's not what I was getting myself into. Okay. And so in, in that sense, it was a good thing. It, it I had I had proper warning. Mm -hmm. Where somebody that didn't see the trailer and they were expecting these characters that they you know that they like <laughs> mm -hmm. that they weren't gonna get that. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Cause yeah, I think I did see the trailer once, but it didn't stand out to me in the trailer that the movie was gonna be so drastically different than the book. Yeah, it's really just similar in name only. Yeah, and in concept. I mean, like... Like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, in concept. 
it's 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 like a movie based on Ready Player One or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. it was it was shocking to me. Uh, now I was trying my best to like bracket the I read the book and the book is better sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. that that tends to happen. And trying to figure out what this would be like to watch it without having read the book, and it was difficult because I did find myself like often saying, "Why did they change everything? Like literally yeah. everything." And so I was trying to imagine what yeah. is it about this story that is good? Is this good or bad in and of itself? And I couldn't figure it out because I was already like, I was too I was too influenced by my memory of the book to know yeah. if the movie is in and of itself good or not. I just knew that I really disliked it. Because yeah. it, I mean, it to the point where there wasn't, I don't think, even a single challenge that was the same from the book. No. Well, adventure was in the book. The last. Was that the last challenge? challenge? Well, it was like the beginning of the last challenge. Okay. okay. Or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But it was involved in the last challenge? Or no. It Yeah, it was. It was. Okay. Because I remember, like the the first challenge was the 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 what is it the the game where you played tomb. against yeah yeah the, the tomb. yeah joust the joust yeah you played joust and then the second one was you had to replay the entire movie as like yeah. Matthew Broderick or whatever yeah well but see and this is the other thing that the that the that the movie didn't really do you had to do the challenge to get the key and then there was a challenge when you entered the gate. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas this one, it was just like, you get a key, you open a gate, you get a clue. Yeah. No, I, I just don't... I, I was flabbergasted by how different this was from the book, and it was shocking to me. Even something as yeah. basic as there was no team. <laughs> like, that was kind yeah. of yeah. a major plot point for the book, is that there was no team-up. Yeah, yeah. Like, very clearly in the book, he and H did not talk about the clues because they knew that it was sort of one man for himself, every man for himself yeah. in this race. And that's one thing that Artemis also, you know, knew. Um, I don't know. I just, I was shocked by it, bro. Well, let's, let's maybe let's start here. Was there anything that you liked? Um, man, no, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I thought that uh you know it was nice seeing <laughs> like different uh pop culture references lived out on screen uh yeah it's like oh look it's uh, the ninja turtles oh look it's you know wario oh look it whatever like did you was... catch the battle toad yeah i caught the battle toads yeah um <laughs> yeah you know all the batman stuff and like that was cool um yeah i just I couldn't get past all of the like yeah drastic differences in the story. I was also really surprised that the shining scene was added because I was not about to enjoy a horror <laughs> section of <laughs> and I didn't feel adequately prepared for this. Uh I liked it. That was Now, yeah, I thought it was fun. That was not H and that was not Artemis, and that wasn't really even possible, but that was fun. I was also a little surprised that H had not seen The Shining. It seems like in the book... Yes. In the book... That would not have happened. Yeah, in the book, everyone had seen everything a million everything. times. Yeah. No, yep. I, I give this movie... I, I mean, this is, a, this is a typical, like, 
I can't tell you what I would have thought about it had I not read the book. Uh, yeah. So, so it's hard to say, but having read the book, I did not enjoy it. So there's an interesting thing that the book um, was playing with, I think. Let me, gosh, I should have written this down. Um, also, that whole end thing, like, that was, I don't understand that. Maybe explain this to me. When he asks him, are you an avatar? What? So Parsifal receives the oh, egg. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And he asks him, you're not an avatar. And he says, no. And he says, like, are you dead? And he just sort of says nothing. And, like, some yeah. some little kid behind me was making fun of the movie the whole time. Uh, and he <laughs> said, like, is he supposed to be God or something? And I thought to myself, is that what they're doing? Is Are they turning him into, like, God? Uh, yeah, well, like a ghost in the machine kind of a thing. Like his... I That's the way I took it. Well, it was like he... He somehow uploaded his consciousness into the into the oasis. Mm. Oh, I see. I see. Well, Which that was not really a part of of the book. No, not at all. Because then it, I mean, it, it changes the whole point of like handing over the oasis to somebody else. Um, ooh, I know exactly what I was going to talk about. Ooh, but let, hold, let's not get there yet. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, but I want to get. I want to talk about this one point first about um, uh, waiting. So Parzival and Artemis in the book didn't meet until the very like the very last page mm-hmm. in person, whereas here they were it was the beginning of the movie. Yeah, basically. So what does that tell us about uh, about what it means to wait? Um, like just immediately get what you want because that's the way that we do things. Yeah, I mean, like they they change the structure of the story, I think to make to make the team like the main character rather than Parsifal. And yeah. I don't know. I don't think they, they couldn't have done that without the characters meeting up early in the story. I th- I saw it yeah. more as sort of a functional thing. You saw it more as sort of like a, they're trying to make a point. Well, so you've got the point there with Artemis and Parsifal, but also H's reveal I thought was dumb and forced and not really good. No, anticlimactic, and also it's like in the yeah. book, even though it was it was a, like a, a twist that I wasn't expecting, uh, it was somewhat tender because it was like she had a backstory. That yeah, and she she explains why her character mm. was a white male. Right, where you in get the, none of that in the movie. And in the movie, it wasn't even a white avatar, right? No, he was. He he kind of looked like a black guy, but just a big robot guy. Yeah, no, it was it was very odd. I don't know why they got rid of that. It was very, very yeah. strange. Um, no, I didn't pick up on anything having to do with waiting. I just, I felt like it was just a matter of expedience to get the team together. Um, yeah, it was a very rushed movie. Yeah, I'm shocked at how bad it was. Yeah. So, here's something interesting. In the movie, one of their big solutions was to close the Oasis off two days a week. Yeah, what the heck was that about? Hmm, I've got a big problem with that. Why is that? Well, so they're trying to give people a life, mm-hmm. a real life. Okay. Part and so, and again, I can't, re- this is really difficult to talk about just in terms of the movie because I don't think that they really did this very well. But the book, you've really got this conversion experience with Parsifal where he says at the end, he has really no desire to go back into the Oasis hmm. because of all that he has been through. And in the movie, it was just kind of forced. 
for him. Now, and here's the here's the worst part, is that now not is it now now not only is it forced for him, but he's imposing that on everybody else. Hmm. So they have no choice to come to this great realization. You will not play this on this day. Right, right. It's an imposed Sabbath. That's a that's tyranny, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's chosen for everybody else how they're going to use this instrument. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel like he earned that through his through his own struggle, the realization that he needed to have a life outside of the oasis. In the book. Right. And he's not giving that opportunity to the rest of yes. the world. He's imposing it. Yes. Yeah. And now that could be a very good thing, right? That's and that's something that I think people actually do need. Have a weekend. Okay. Mm-hmm. But to presume that everybody else is as spiritually enlightened as you are mm-hmm. is asinine. Yeah. Or even as addicted as you are. Maybe this is your problem that you need to There it is, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like but you're you're imposing your fast on everybody else. Yeah. No, yeah, that's but I mean the the, the response would be like we do have you know, even in the church, we have laws for fasting because it is for other people's good. Yes, exactly. So how is that different? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I get to what, I get what you're saying, but I think... I mean, is it different or is it the same? Well, I'm... So I'm trying to keep this in kind of the realm of Ready Player One. Like, it, they're not just going to church. Like, this has become, in a lot of ways just society it's not even an alternate society right i mean think about all those kids that can't go to school now on tuesdays and thursdays yeah yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so like it's not just you know we're not going to eat meat on fridays and this is the law Mm -hmm. it's there's no school on (laughs) two days i mean we do that anyways with the weekend but sure sure no, but the the point stands though. It's like he's making an, a choice for everyone else about something that's become a necessity rather than something that's become. It's not just saying like it's an imposed fast on a luxury. It's an imposed yeah. fast on uh, society itself. It's like it's a curfew, yeah, effectively. Yeah. So like, I don't even know if this is still a thing, but it used to be the case at least that in Japan you wouldn't eat fish on Wednesdays because the fish markers were closed that day. Hmm. Uh so like, yeah, that's become kind of a custom not to eat fish on Wednesdays or whatever day it was. I don't really remember. But to impose that kind of arbitrarily seems a bit strange. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, so you're you're you used the word tyranny before. It's yeah. it's an imposed law that even if it is presumed for the good of persons, does he have jurisdiction over over that? Yeah. Right. And like if if the Oasis was something other than uh, what it is, then maybe he could have done that with complete freedom. Like, you know, if if a commodity that I pay for that I use, like Facebook or something, um, has to shut down for a weekend because they're doing upgrades to their servers. It's like, okay, well, they have that responsibility to do that. And ultimately, they have jurisdiction over that. But if like the Oasis is more than that, because that's where people do their banking, that's where people do their schooling. You know, it's society itself, and he's now yeah. the president of that. And so yeah. it's like a mandatory imposed curfew by the president of a society saying, I'm imposing a curfew because it's for your own good, where he's running the oasis a bit like a tyranny in that sense. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, remember the movie The Village? You probably yes. didn't watch that. I did not watch it, but I'm familiar with that <laughs> movie existing. Um, 
so the whole premise is this group of people like choosing to seclude themselves from society because they think it's you know become corrupt or whatever it's like okay whatever you can do that but then you put structures into place to make sure that your children never find out about the outside world and you don't give them like even the Amish give their children like that that free like a year to be in the world to really to allow themselves to make that decision if this is something that they want to reject oh i didn't know that um yeah so i think there's really something to you know if a group of you know a a tyrant can be elected democratically are we gonna are we gonna approve of this and say this is what we want and this is what we need hmm and this is what my children and their children and their, and their children will also need because they're going right, to think the exact right. same way as me. Yeah. Well, no, you can't say that. Right. Hmm. No, I had not thought about it on this level, but no, what you're saying makes sense. It was it was an arbitrary decision that I felt like the movie was trying to communicate with like good intentions, but isn't really all that thought out, you know, as to yeah. what they're implying here, right? That they're sort of unilaterally yeah. deciding for you know, for all of the world, what is for the world's good. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. Just one one other reason that I think this movie was pretty terrible. Yeah. Any uh, any other thoughts about the movie? Um, I just thought it was interesting the way they really didn't do anything with 80s pop culture. Right. Just like a little bit of the soundtrack every once in a while. A little bit. But the the majority of it was 90s and early 2000s. Mm. Yeah, the, the few the few references that they actually did make, <laughs> right? Like right. it was not there was not a lot, right? There was a few references to Back to the Future, um, yeah. but that's that's kind of about it. Um, yeah, yeah. All around, man, I just found myself very much at a loss. Yep, two thumbs down. Two thumbs way down. like that when you put a thumbs up on a text that the word they use to describe that thumb is the word like because yeah. i'm not liking what you're saying i'm giving you a thumbs up <laughs> you know like if cool. you say hey david i dinner's ready and i just say like i just give you a thumbs up it's like cool yeah. like okay not i like that you said that <laughs> well sometimes david, dinner's you ready. like that i like that <laughs> Yeah, I do. I think I do.